A fight, a couple of suspensions, and a what the hell is going on? All the excitement and the surprises that we needed, Jolon. Everything that we wanted playoff weekend to be, right? I can't quite believe that something that gives this many highs and this many lows is legal, right? The, the last week of my life has just been insane following this crazy sport. And I don't know why, but every single year, I forget how much the playoffs do ramp up from the regular season. And it is just a treat watching every single night and watching the storylines. It's like watching a, like a BBC One drama. Like it's just, <laughs> just the way the intensity builds catches me off guard every single year. But my days, it's entertaining to watch. Well, you clearly live a very wild life, Jolon, but fortunately, there are many of you who are listening to this podcast that agree you have been contacting us in your droves on Slack, on Twitter. We're going to share some of your thoughts of an exciting time of the season. It's the playoffs. Welcome to NHL Fans from Afar. So, Jolon, we have some um, some people who know a bit more about hockey than us this week, you know, because yeah. there's quite a lot to watch, isn't there? Let's face it. Um, there is a lot. I don't know how you're finding it. I'm I'm finding that I'm managing to watch a one game a day and then watching the highlights of the other games. Um, I, I have sacrificed um, keeping things a secret. I just wake up and the first thing I do uh, is look what? at the scores. Yep. No. How do you do that? I just look at the scores and then I go and watch what I can when I can and listen to Hockey Central at noon and Even with the Leafs videos. Yep, yep. You've I not just... been watching any Leafs games without knowing the score. No, I know the score and then I watch it. Yeah. Oh man, I ah oh, what what are you doing? What because... I've got my life. I've got things to do and I just wanna know. I just wanna know what happened. Tell me now. But all you need to do, Claire, is just sacrifice sleep. That's what I'm finding. I'm finding I'm, you know, full-time job. That's still going. Relationship. That's still going. Friends <laughs> occasionally see them, but sleep. That is the thing that I'm having very little of this week so far. But there are seven weeks of this potentially. So how are you going to survive with no sleep with seven weeks? I think if the Leafs make it seven weeks, I think there are many things, many balls will be dropped by the time that that time it gets to there. Uh, there's so much. I don't quite know how I'm going to cope. I'm not sure the Leafs are ready for a run to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I certainly know I'm probably not ready for this. But I'll give it a go. Well, let's talk to someone who has far more experience in this and talk to Mark UK Leaf, aka Mark Rackham is his proper name, but we all call him Mark UK Leaf because that's what your name is, right, Mark? No one one knows your real name. (laughs) Apparently so. I've been approached in Toronto and people have been coming up to me asking me, by my Twitter handle, so apparently, yeah. <laughs> now, you have a lot of experience about this, but not only do you look after the NHL, you have to look over the AHL as well. So do you actually even ever sleep? And you have a job? Um, sleep this time of year? No. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's a nice to have rather than a necessity. Um, you know, when the AHL playoffs, which kick off this week, go uh, full bore, yeah, forget about sleep. It's Good just, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Well, there's only one worse thing after doing the AHL, the NHL, 
and not sleeping is uh, supporting a team on the Western Conference. Isn't that right, <laughs> Team Edwards? Yeah, it's that's the worst thing um, to support a team that far away. But for me, this is my, I think, 29th NHL playoffs. You're that old? I am 43 on Saturday, Claire. Yes, I am that old. So this is my... This is my 29th NHL playoffs. I've been doing this since 1990. So, yeah, sleep goes out the window from April till June. I don't have any more off days anymore. I do try and work from home when I can to try and fit in that little bit more of NHL action through the playoffs. But, yeah, supporting a team on the Western Conference is, is really not probably one of my best ideas in the world. But as I said before, they did start out on the East Coast. Well, what was making me laugh was in the papers the other day with the new Game of Thrones series out, how all the papers are saying that people were pulling sickies. And I was thinking, what absolute <laughs> wimps. They, yeah. don't, they don't know anything compared to what we have to go through. To be through. fair, over an 82-game season, you, I don't think you'd make it through a season still at work, would you? I think your employer might have a word. <laughs> <laughs> Every other day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, look, we, um, we're going to recap some of the things that have happened in week one of the playoffs. Uh, a bit of a, a weird podcast for us to do because uh, depending on when you're listening to this, things might have changed. Things might have moved on. So we're recording this on Tuesday evening, but we know later this evening when we're all sleeping or not sleeping, there could be many twists and turns for those uh, very, very important game fours. So Claire, Claire you talk about those twists and turns, but Could we just spell this out right now? So by the time you're listening to this podcast at home, there is a good chance that both Tampa Bay and the Penguins might be out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Bloody brilliant. to me, is mind-blowing. The fact that potentially tonight I'm trying to pick which game to watch because I'm wondering who is going to get swept out of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Blue Jackets and the Islanders, that is unreal. I'm still yet to find, I'm trying to find somebody who is claiming the fact that they predicted that the Tampa Bay Lightning would be swept. And I'm yet to find anyone. There's no one I found yet on Twitter that is bragging about it. There is nobody out there. There's not. If you didn't pin them down for the Stanley Cup, or at least the Stanley Cup final, people questioned you. And if you didn't, then you thought, well, you know, I know the President's Trophy teams historically don't do very well, but Tampa was so good. Anybody who picked them to be out in a sweep, I I need to find that person. Well, see, I cleverly did potentially say that that Columbus would beat them in the playoff first round. You're just a hopeful Leafs fan, you are. That's what and, I, and I, I know, and I called it wishful thinking, didn't I? And then I yeah. said that Leafs would knock out Columbus. I'm yeah. going to have a, my first win to the night on this one. The only people that were predicting or saying, or whatever else you want to call it, that the Lightning weren't going to get past the Blue Jackets were either Leafs fans, Bruins fans, or anyone that lives in the Columbus area. And it was all hopeful because <laughs> 99% of all analysts rightly so, had the lightning going through this series. And there is, there is a chance, obviously, that tonight that the lightning are going to get swept. But I'll say this now, and I've been saying it on Twitter all week, last couple of days, wherever it's been, that Columbus better finish this tonight. Because if they have to then go to Tampa for game five, and they'll 
almost certainly probably lose that. They're not going to want to come back home for game six in Columbus and then try and wrap up this series. And as I mentioned on the Slack group the other day, a team went down 3-0 in the playoffs to the San Jose Sharks. 16 victories later, they lifted the cup. And that was the LA Kings. And they were a far worse side than the Tampa Bay Lightning were. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, Stephen. I heard this week that there were something like only four or five teams in NHL playoff history that have overturned a 3-0 deficit in the first yeah, round. Yeah, it's, it's very, very As... rare. It's something like three against 160-odd or something like that. So the chances it's... are we lose both the Penguins and the Lightning. I know you're saying the Lightning aren't down until they're absolutely down, and I would agree with you. But the chances are, and if you're looking at the odds, they're gone. If you're looking at the odds, like strictly on paper, like we did right at the start of this series, you, you've got to favour the Islanders are completely outplayed the Penguins. And we'll probably talk about yeah, that a bit more in a second. Yeah. The Lightning are at the moment really running scared, it seems, against the Blue Jackets. Let's not forget, the Lightning blew a big lead in game one of this series. <laughs> this series could have yeah. been completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Bobrovsky has been... It's, a, it's an odd thing to talk about these two games now. And I guess we shouldn't really spend that much time on them because the chances are, by the time you're hearing this, you know the answer to this question, whether they've been swept or not. But it's been really interesting how probably the most controversial goaltender of the entire NHL season in Serge Bobrovsky, just everything that's gone on this year, has had the playoff series to dream of. He has just been... He, you know, he, he stopped Tampa Bay in his track in that last game and mm. again we've talked about goaltending so much and he has been he, he is he's starting to get to that point now where you can no longer laugh out loud when he says I want 10 million dollars next year I'm not saying he should get it but I'm just saying you can't laugh out loud at him if they beat Tampa and he continues on this form no, they completely, I mean, he's completely outplayed his off the number. I mean, Vasilevsky, I was listening on the, the Atlantic today, and I think it's perfectly true, is that his body language after every goal he gives up is like, oh no, not that again. And yeah. that is a really bad mindset to be in. I mean, I've questioned how tough this Tampa Bay Lightning team is, it seems, because this is the first time they face any sort of adversity through the whole regular season. And now, all of a sudden, they, can't, they don't have the answers anymore. And I mentioned this on a previous podcast, that the first chance we get to see if Tampa can handle this kind of pressure in this scenario, this was when we would really see what this team is like. And so far, the questions they've been asked, they don't have any of the answers for. I saw a little bit better play from them in the, in the latter stages of Game 3, but when we're going into tonight's game, Hedman's not playing again, it seems. Mm -hmm. So obviously they've got injury, but they've got injuries again to, to key players. Obviously they get Kusha off back for, for this game as well. And then he's been a non-factor in the first two games as well. Stamkos didn't even have a shot in on target in game three. It's anemic. This is Amazing. an offense that was yeah. setting you know, milestones through the season. It's anemic. Mark, did, Mark, did you have either of these two big kind of teams going out in the first round? Tampa, Penguins, anybody like that? Um, I thought Columbus would give um, give Tampa a run for their money. I didn't think they would be up three nothing in the series. Um, <laughs> that would be beyond belief. Um, oh, but I do think yeah. Stephen's right. I think Tampa hasn't faced any adversity so far. Even when uh, Vasilevsky didn't play, they just outscored teams during the regular season. Yeah when they had a number two in, in net. Um, 
I'm not too surprised um, by uh, the Islanders against the Penguins, to be honest. Uh, the goaltending hasn't been the goaltending has been the main factor in that series, as far as I've seen. I've only watched uh, one game all the way through. I've watched highlights of the other games, um, but the Islanders, you know, they they picked up pace. They looked like a really good team. Um, obviously, they they pretty much played the Leafs off the park and the games I that you know uh, through the regular season. I watched a couple of the other games, and they just seemed like a a team on a mission. So I'm not too surprised by that. But again, I didn't expect them to sort of you know be sweeping a team like Pittsburgh with the offence they've got. Um, You've got Crosby and Gensel that haven't had a point in the first three games. Yeah. I mean, there, are some, there are some big stars missing, aren't there? You talked about Stamkos, you talked about Kucherov, you know, what he did. and But then, yeah, Crosby gone, had gone missing. Matthews had gone missing until last night. There, were, there are some big names. Johnny Gaudreau hasn't really shined in the same way that Flames fans would have wanted him to. It is interesting how you hear a lot of analysts talk about games and they talk about how, well, the fourth line won it in that game or the goaltender won it in that game. And it's interesting how sometimes it's those other parts of the team that can really make a difference come playoff time. Yeah, but for me, this was my big thing against the Flames. And I, again, I said this a few weeks ago, it seems I'm like kind of almost repeating previous things I've said is that for me, Calgary don't have those superstars. They don't have those 1A players. I'm sorry, Johnny Hockey is not a 1A player. He isn't. He's a star. He's not a superstar. When it comes to the playoffs, if you're going to play in tight series, you need the superstars to step up. Look who stepped up for Colorado. Nathan McKinnon took the, took the put your team on his back, two goals early on, and basically put that game to rest. You need your stars to set up. Matthews, I would fully expect to do exactly the same going forward. You're going to win a cup. You need your stars to do that. Yes, you need contributions from elsewhere. And I know we've talked a lot around, you know, like Columbus. They went and got the, the, those pieces that they needed at the deadline. But then they've had balanced scoring. But they're still getting key contributions where they need it. But for me, if you don't have those stars step up, you're going to struggle come playoff time. Yes, I'm, not, I'm, not one to throw, I, I'm not one to throw stats around. That's usually Claire's job. But I have just stumbled across this stat. And I have to bring it up at this point with you mentioning Johnny Gaudreau and Nathan McKinnon. They finished on identical points tally this season. Both for me, Johnny Gaudreau and Nathan McKinnon on 99 points. Gaudreau slightly less goals, but more assists. McKinnon on 41 goals and 58 assists. I know assists. who I'd rather have. I but then that's... Know the, that's who I'd rather have. But that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because I, and I think that comes from the teams that we follow as well. And obviously, you see a lot more of Nathan McKinnon as well. I've, I've heard from so many Calgary fans who just think Johnny, uh, Johnny Gaudreau is, he is it. He is the guy. And but what has he done? That's the thing. He has the same amount of points as Nathan McKinnon, 99. But, yeah, but that's, that's regular season. That's what I'm saying, regular season points. What has he yeah. done so far? Yeah. What has he done when it really matters in the playoffs? What has he done? Yeah. He's done. He hasn't done anything. That's the issue. I'm not saying I, I would take McKinnon. Yes, I agree with you to a point. I've yeah, seen I would more McKinnon, McKinnon well. games I would agree. than I've I would seen. Agree with you. Yeah. I've seen more Goodrow games. I will say that because obviously I'm, a, I'm an Avalanche fan. But for me, the biggest thing I threw at Calgary a few weeks ago was the fact that, as I say, for me, they don't have the superstar quality. They have a really good, balanced, offensive-minded attacking team. That's fine. Defensively, they're shoddy. 
And that's one thing Colorado have shown up. If it wasn't for Mike Smith in net in game one, standing on his head, making ridiculous acrobatic saves, <laughs> when it was scoreless, Colorado should have won that game. We should actually be sitting here right now talking about a Colorado three-game lead because they've completely outplayed Calgary in this series. Have you ever watched a more stressful goaltender than Mike Smith? To watch? Uh, he's awful to watch. I would hate I mean, to be a Calgary fan. Some of the saves he makes are mind-blowing, but then, yeah, just watching Frustrating. Him, I mean, that's, we'll come on to it a little bit later, but I'm, I'm sure Mark can talk about how one of the great things for Leaf fans this playoffs has been how Freddie Anderson, when he's in goal, hardly moves, seemingly. Yeah. just seems really cool and calm and collected, and when, whatever's happening in front of him is just steady. Whereas Mike Smith is just, for even the most basic of saves, seems to manage to flail a leg or an arm around. Yeah. But anyway, amazing. Well, Nathan McKinnon picked his spot. Yeah, he did, yeah. No yeah. problem at all. Can I just say <laughs> that one of the things that I've noticed in my NHL bracket, wishful thinking, I have got it all the way, as it stands right now, all the way spot on, but I just need the Jets to sort it out with St. Louis Blues. I have put Colorado, Vegas, Nashville, Jets to go through, Columbus, Toronto, the Caps, and New York Islanders to go through. Now, what about Have you that? actually? I have, honestly. Yeah. I have. This was your, but this wasn't this your one that you said, ah, this is just me messing around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, you but should that's start the point. putting some money on that. That's the point of a bracket, though, isn't it? And that's the point of the playoffs. Um, yeah. Let's have a look at some of the, the comments, because I, I, obviously I don't want us to forget about Nashville, Dallas, St. Louis Blues um, and Jets as well. I want to come on to that in a second. But, but we've had quite a few comments from people talking about what or who has surprised them. Um, Dave, uh, our Canadian fan who slipped out, didn't he? We got him on the other week, um, Jolon, mm. quite cruelly. And then two <laughs> days later, he got kicked out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, he says for him, it's Islanders continuing impressive form and destroying pens. Uh, Kucherov slap on the wrists is something that he mentions as surprising him. And that was an interesting one, wasn't it? It wasn't the guy that we thought, but I think, was it you, Steve? Maybe had said something that playoffs do no mark it was you playoffs do um interesting things to players when they're under stress yeah it's 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 weird like it's a different kind of pressure you know it's um you know i've seen players sort of implode i don't want to talk about the cadre thing but you know players lose their minds you know whereas goaltenders defensemen or forwards you know people do crazy things under duress um you know steven's been following the game even longer than i have and he's I'm sure he can recount, especially in the 90s when hockey was yeah. a little bit more different to how it is now. You know, crazy things used to happen, you know. So I'm not really surprised by this. Um, I'm surprised by Kucherov, but, you know, um, you know, this is what happens come playoff time. And this is what makes it so much fun to follow. Mm. I, I, think don't, I, don't know, I was going to oh, say, God. I don't know much about Kucherov in terms of his history at all. Is he the kind Hasn't. of guy who does, does he lose it? No, he's a, he, again, I think this again goes back to kind of Tampa Bay's frustration because they realised they gave up the big lead in game one yeah. and now all of a sudden they've got their backs up against the wall and it's like, you know, everything seems like it's, it's going wrong. The officials are against you. You don't get the breaks. And all of a sudden your frustration levels, as, as Mark said, you, they, just, they just go up and up and up and up until eventually even the most mild-mannered guys just 
for whatever reason, just snap. And then you end up with a scenario like that. It's just like, you know, what are you doing? And I think probably even 10 seconds later, he's like, what have I done? Because you know you're in trouble. And I, I, I do want to make a point I did make on the Slack group the other day. I mean, I know that me and you guys had a chat around this, Joe Long, is we talk about suspensions. And I'm going to say this now, and people might disagree with me, but I honestly think when suspensions are handed down, it depends on the player and how long a suspension they get. Because my gut feeling is, if that was another one of the Tampa Bay players doing that, maybe not one of the stars, that would have been a longer suspension. Because it was Kucherov, it was one game. You got the same. You got the opposite scenario, as I said, in Toronto, with with Kadri threw the book at him. Yes, he does have history, but I guarantee you, if that was say Austin Matthews, that's a one-game ban. And yeah, I, and that, that's, that's rightly so, though, because no, it's um, not rightly so. That's, that's the problem. It's it's not one rule for one. It should be across the board, and that's what players hate. Players but Kadri has got a history. He has been doing this. You can't ignore the history on that. It no, that's like... not what I'm saying, Claire. I'm not saying ignoring the history. I'm saying players are disciplined by how much of a star those players are. I'm saying to you, even if Kadri hadn't got the history, he would have still got a longer ban than Kusharov got. It's the way it is. It's the way it goes in hockey. It's not right, but it's the way it is. And that's what I said to, to Jolon. Kusharov was never going to get a long ban because the fact is, he's a star. Yeah, but now we come into the debate with uh, someone like Nazim Kadri. That I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty peeved off at him, actually. I think he, so. knows, he knows that he has this kind of thing with the Boston Bruins. He knows how much this means to his team. It was silly what he did. I, don't, I guess his teammates probably would have said, thanks for sticking up for us. But, like, sticking <laughs> being the word. But I just think it was really, really Oof. stupid. And the debate that's been happening is, is this his final, you know, season as a Toronto Maple Leaf? Is he about to be drafted? Um, and does this mean that uh, Jake Gardner's got his position um, you know, a bit more got a foot in the door in terms of the Leafs lineup. I don't know how I feel about Kadri. I fall in love with him and then I hate him and then he annoys me and then I really like him again. And what really annoyed me was that second game that he had with the Leafs in this playoff series. It was his game. He was on it. And then he's thrown away again. And so I feel sometimes with him, he's a bit like Marmite for me. I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. Um, I love his teeth. I love his smiley teeth. But sometimes I don't feel like his game is really suited to where the Leafs are going long term. Mark, it's not suited to the the NHL. It's not suited to the modern day NHL. That's the problem. Well, he should be a Bruin then, shouldn't he? Really? (laughs) Oh, come on. Mark, Mark, come on. Let's let's leave these two bickering about their team. We're level-headed fans who, you know, don't let our passions get too high. Um, Mark. (laughs) Talk about the Kadri incident for us and how you saw that play out. Right. Um, Well, I think you need to put it in the context of the game. Uh, Yes, he deserved a a suspension, which I'll come on to in a second. But in the context of the game, um, uh, the amount of rubbish the officials let go, something inevitably was going to happen. And unfortunately, Kadri, for as good as he is, he plays on the edge. He's always on the edge and he's got a history and he's probably, I imagine the management have probably taken him to one side and probably well, given him what yeah, for. 
You and saw Mike, Mike Babcock said to him in the first game on the bench, pipe down or something similar. Yep. Yeah, but, you know, in that, something was always going to ball over in that game. You know? So, you know, he deserves a suspension. But, I, you know, I, I can't ever remember a player being suspended for a series. That seems unprecedented to me. I, Stephen, have you ever heard that before? Yeah, supposedly I it, think has it's a, it has um, happened, but yeah. it is incredibly rare. I mean, I personally think, I mean, I know I kind of joked about it on Twitter that yeah. he'd be suspended for the rest of the Toronto series, i.e. three games. Um I honestly thought he would just get like a straight three-game ban. I thought yep. if the series went on long enough, he would be back for the latter part of the series. I think it's a very rare one. It's an in interesting one because it's kind of like, well, you know, however long this goes on, it could be five games. Um, I think, you know, touching on obviously a, a couple of points that you made there, Mark, I mean, I completely agree with you. You know, it is, it, this was going to happen. I think when officials turn a blind eye to things you know it's one thing for keeping your whistle in your pocket in the playoffs i think players prefer it that way they want the game to be decided by the players but again i'll come back to what i originally said it's about being consistent you you can't all of a sudden go right okay that is too far because for me that necessarily wasn't too far other incidents before that were too far and i think then it just gets escalated and escalated and escalated he was the one unfortunately that they decided to come down on Again, because he's got history, I'm sure that played a, a big part in it. It wasn't a, a nice incident, and rightly so, the book was thrown at him. But what I, what I was a bit disappointed to hear from certainly certain Leafs fans' areas was basically almost a justification for him doing what he did because of what had happened before that. I'm sorry, you don't take the game into your own hands and decide that you're going to decide how that game's going to be played and you push the officials over the edge. That is, again, where it's wrong. And if he did do that, and I'm not, I'm not in his mindset, so I don't know if that's what he did, but that is wrong. You, don't, you can't police the game like you could 20 years ago. No. But I would that's say not the, the, reason, case the reason you can't do that anymore, and the reason the NHL is obviously trying to get rid of that, is through officiating. That is the one way you stop that happening. And I, it's interesting hearing Mark say it, and I know you said it as well on Twitter, Stephen, but I turned uh, to my girlfriend who I was watching the game with at the time and about, uh, as we were getting kind of halfway through the second period, I said to her, something is going to happen in yeah. this game because you cannot let this game escalate in the way that it was. And it wasn't just the Bruins. It was the Leafs as well because they were going back at them yeah. as well. And it was back and forth. And the moment, I, you know, I said something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was. I was hoping it wasn't a player would get injured or anything like that. And seemingly that everybody seemed to make it through that game. Somehow, I don't know. And seeing Kadri go in the way that he did didn't even shock me. I mean, there was the kind of the, I can't believe this has happened in exactly the same kind of scenario, blah, blah, blah. Here we go yeah. again. But it didn't shock me because of how that game had been managed. And then to have the, the just the full 60 kind of switch round in this game three to the point where I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Ron Hainsey and then it was closely followed by a Bruins penalty. But there was these two penalties called in the latest Leafs game. And I was, I was thinking, you what? Sorry? Did you not just see the last game? 
I mean, neither of them were anything. I mean, you could get away with so much. And I, it just left me thinking, is there any other pro sports game where the rule book changes unofficially in the postseason? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, that... maybe it is a North American thing that we don't get over here in the UK with our sports, but I find it baffling. <laughs> no, you do get this in the NBA as well, where, yeah, the, all of it, where the coaches will kind of chirp about the officials and then the officials will kind of swing back the other way. And it's, it's all part and parcel of playoff basketball, so it's exactly the same thing. But I honestly think that between Game 2 and Game 3, the officials might have been spoken to about how Game 2 was handled off the record. And I think because that's you reflected want in that Nadri, uh, Kadri's suspension as well. I genuinely yeah. do. I, I, I'm sure that, because, you know, he could get three games for this, potentially. Was it three or four? Whatever it is. He could get three, three. or four games um, in, in a dream scenario for the Leafs if they won all the rest of their games. But he could get that, which, to be honest, with his history, is lenient. I mean, and I don't think that's what he have got I... in an isolated scenario. But actually, I think that, my gut, anyway, is possibly that five, knee on knee was factored in. Yeah, five suspensions have been the result of illegal yeah. hits to the head. Five. I mean, yeah. for him to go to the to go to New York in person meant that it was going to be five games because that's yeah, well, that's the, it. Know, that's what I couldn't understand. What if so you? Why if is you it going... now potentially three? Yeah, <laughs> and this is it. It's completely ludicrous. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what like maybe like Mark's thoughts are on this. I mean, I, I think I just kind of hit it. I thought three was a was a, was fair. I would have taken three all day long as a pure as a fan, forgetting what is right and wrong. If somebody had said to me three, I'd have well, yeah, I was gonna say bitten the hand off, that's probably the wrong thing to talk no, about but... violence in this way. Because you know, that might be what Jake DeBrus tries next. I'm joking. <laughs> the, the problem the problem is, guys, is that you know, very much like the officiating on the ice, NHL player safety is basically a box of chocolates. Oh yeah. You just don't know what you're gonna get. No, you know, I, I, um, Stephen and I spoke earlier on Twitter, and I, I mentioned the uh, the headshot by Joe Thornton. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. Yeah. He got a game yeah. for that. Yeah. I'm like, how does he only get a game for that? Yeah. So, Wasn't it a few years ago though, where they basically it was literally just like like pull a number out of a hat? It was like two or three post seasons ago, where nobody knew what was going on from one day to the next with the player safety. It's worse. It's better now than it was. We complained about it now. Yeah. But it was about but, two or three postseasons ago. It was much worse. The thing I loved about this whole thing was that, you know, it was so it was so drawn out and it was going on for ages. And you were hearing people going on radio shows and TV shows saying, I think he'll get four. I think he'll get five. I think he'll yeah. get 20. I, all of these kind <laughs> of numbers came out. And then when it actually came out, I was listening to Sportsnet uh, on Tim and Sid, their program, which is what was on air at the time yeah. it was broken. And there's just the disbelief in the host's voice when they were reading out something that wasn't any of the predictions that anyone made. There was this kind <laughs> no. of moment of, you what? He's, he's yeah. got the, the series. What? And you just think that's brilliant. That is just brilliant. If even the people who are living and breathing this professionally day in, day out are foxed by this, what hope yeah. do we have? <laughs> no, it, it was completely ridiculous. Honestly, they need to they need to look at revamping the system. They need. Uh, I'm a big fan. You need people who played the game in there, but I also think yeah. you need someone. You you they all they seem to have this thing about having um, ex enforcers in charge of NHL player safety. Should I can't be. remember who came up with this idea, but maybe you should have someone, another player, a skilled player, maybe, and have a different viewpoint. So you've got two guys going at it. Maybe a guy who was targeted, 
So you've got two people with an opinion and not just one person. And can you imagine a guy like a Claude Lemieux? Yeah. Claude Lemieux, can you imagine him being player safety? For anyone who remembers him, like New Jersey, Colorado days. I know, I, I know I, we, we kind of, we want to kind of move it on from the specifics of the, of the Leafs game. And, yeah, uh, and I, think, I, think there's, I think there's a wider point, which is something that we should talk about in a future thing, uh, a future podcast about this hockey culture thing. Because I do find it fascinating how, you know, at the moment, and I don't think this is because I'm a Leafs fan, it may be, but, you know, I appreciate my bias. But they're, they're currently in games where that physicality isn't there. There seems to be amongst quite a few high-profile commentators on the game and analysts on the game, almost a disappointment and almost like a longing for it. And when that game, game two came around in Boston, that you, you could see them almost foaming at the mouth. They were loving it. Like it was a blast from the past. It was back to their era. And while those people are so still influential in the game, then it's, it's going to take a while to fully transfer over. But anyway, it's probably a bigger topic for another day. But one last point on that. Sorry, Claire. Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn around and say this is a reason why the playoffs have gone back to this format, which is an old-style format. It's so that teams play against each other year in, yeah. year out. And you get sick to the back teeth of the sight of each other. So yeah. in the end, it's like one playoff series when it finished, that was it. And then you might not play them again the following year. Now you have these playoff wars that carry on from year to year. And that's, again, you're seeing a, a, a Toronto-Boston series is a prime example of that, where you've got one player who's got a history. And mm. that's the issue for me. So I think they, they, they kind of want to give it like a bit of an old school feel. But again, it's brought up some of the things that we maybe didn't like about the, the past playoffs. But again, it feeds the physical thirst of old school fans. Mm. Go on, Claire. Over to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to look at something a little bit more positive. Um, I asked people for their favourite moments so far, and then I realised that some of their favourite moments are actually pretty cruel. Um, <laughs> so if, if, if anyone says anything about a Jake DeBrusque knee, I will leave this podcast right now. That was their favourite <laughs> moment. No, Andy Giddings, I mean, he was mentioning about the, the penalty situation and saying uh, that he was really surprised by the number of silly and potentially costly penalties so early in the playoffs um, and was saying the poor coaches must be tearing their hair out. But his favourite cringe moment of the week was the fight between Ovechkin and Svechkin. Oh, man. And that, did, that, that didn't Ugh. turn out too well for the 19-year-old. Um, is he on concussion protocol? He is. Yeah, so he is. Big. I mean, it was a nasty, nasty it situation. I mean, I'm what are you doing, though? Yet. What I are you doing? Like, I've, why? I've not watched it. What was the build-up to it? Well, apparently there was kind of like a bit chippy back and forth. Um, and basically then the other guy said to Ovechkin, let's go. So Ovechkin's come out and said that's, ha that's what happened. Um, and obviously he's got, like the other guy's got completely the worst end of the stick there. Um, it, it's not a nice scenario. I mean, what's his kid, 19? Yep, um, 19. You know, it's, it's a baptism of fire for him. To, and only him and Ovechkin will really know what led up to it. But, you know, from what we hear from Ovechkin, it, it was a bit chippy back and forth. Gosh. 
Um, the other thing, uh, Dave says everything Matt Basel does is what is <laughs> he's loving. Mike Smith's laughable over dramatic saves versus oh, apps yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So that was his. Uh, what else? What other favourite moments were there? I think, oh, I put in my man crush of the week, my note here, one of my favourite moments, and he gets my man crush, was uh, Joe Pabelski, who scored a goal with his face. Oh, um, man, yeah. Which was incredible. <laughs> because obviously, he's not got the beard anymore, has he, to help. So, um, yeah, he just scored it with his face. But I don't think... I mean, they talk about just getting your stick on the ice, don't they? <laughs> get the dirty goals, but how about putting your face near the net just to get a goal? That's a whole different ball did game. You, well, I mean, Stephen will have seen this, but did you guys, Mark and Claire, see Ian Cole of the Avalanche stop a shot of uh, Johnny Goudreau with his face again? Yeah. God. Stopping a shot which was going in as well. He basically saved a goal with yeah, his face. Yeah, it, it was Goon-esque, if you've seen the movie Goon. Yeah. It, oh it but it, I mean, you do everything, you know, as you saw in the, yeah. in the Toronto Boston game last night. You know, you do absolutely everything to get in the way something to stop Mitch Marner from going in. Mitch Marner, Mitch yeah, Mitch Marner, 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 what are you doing? Twice, right, right at the end, twice, two shots. The second one, he turns, and I, I, I'm sure you were the same, Mark. You're looking at that. I mean, apart from the fact you're probably in tears because you've only got a few seconds left of this game, but you're looking at it going. What? Mitch? No! Yeah. Uh, no, that's exactly what he should be doing, Cholon. It but, sets a precedent. He is there. They need to throw everything. They could go in like don't get another me wrong. two games. He don't needs get to, me wrong. They I both love want it. to put their body on the line. Absolutely, I want them to do that. You do, but then again, you think of players like Mitch Marner and who are these tiny little skillful players and you go, they are not the people I imagine doing that. The he's fact playing, that he did, brilliant. He's playing ice hockey, not snooker, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, but have you ever seen the guy get hit, Claire? I swear the guy, he made it's, it as well. It's not a even contact wear pads. sport, you plonger. He never gets hit. He's it doesn't matter. He's Charlie, too it's silky. the playoffs. It's yeah, well, it is yeah. the playoffs, I was say. Whatever. You do whatever. Need. Talking All about right, emotional. Mark, Mark, were you, were you not? When, when Mitch Marner goes, particularly for the second block, was your heart not in your mouth thinking, oh, my days. Oh, if, no. you, if you watch the replay, on the second shot, he has no choice. He's literally, oh, right. he's on the <laughs> ice, and he's just like, I brace myself for this. And he took it. And that was I loved how Jake Muzzin came along afterwards and just picked him up. Oh, and he yeah. was in the centre of the huddle, and it was a beautiful moment. I mean, that guy, I know we love to exaggerate in Leafland, but he may as well have the keys to the city right now, Mitch Marner, regardless of whatever happens. He hasn't won anything series. yet. Oh. I, I just, but that's what I mean. Lee fans love to exaggerate anything. He'll have a statue <laughs> if he does another couple of shots. I just want to talk about emotions as well because uh, Torts ending a post-game press conference due to reporters' bo was also mentioned by oh, Graham. Um, I mean, we are just everybody has to love uh, Torts, doesn't he? He puts no. everything on the line. Did you see no. that the thing that the video that emerged, which had so many expletives, everyone was like, I think the audio's broken because it was just his like in between, was it period one and period two, his pep talk to the team, and it was just like f this, f that, just you know. I couldn't on, stand guys. it. I, I literally couldn't stand the guy in New York. No. I still can't stand the guy. I, I literally cannot stand him. He puts his whole heart and soul into this. And I imagine he must be a nightmare as a manager. Like, I, I wouldn't want him as a nightmare, boss. generally. Like, I just... He, yeah. yeah. But if he gets I, results, 
well, you know, out of this, if he gets results out of this, wow. Yeah, it's but I think of... with that kind of coach, you can only listen to that for so long. I yes. mean, I go back to yeah. when Patrick Wilde was coach of the, of the Avalanche. It worked well for a while, but hearing that intense chat every single game basically being slaughtered when you don't do something right you listen to that in the short term for maybe 12 months and then when things start going sour again you switch off to that very very quick yeah i don't think this will last that well someone I mean, he'll... someone pointed out that they said well hang on a minute columbus were three nil down in the first period they're like they're pretty sure he probably did some kind of like rousing f-bomb filled speech before yep. the first game and you think well that didn't work they obviously didn't listen so, yeah, you're right. I think it only has a certain amount of, yeah. Let's just look at some of the other teams that we've not really talked a lot about. Nashville, Dallas, for instance, St. Louis oh, Blues. Man, I was, I was gutted for them last night. I've got a kind of a vested interest in this series because Matt Day, who's been on this podcast, me and him are off to the uh, World Championships in a couple of weeks. And we have this kind of outside, very outside dream that both our teams are still in the playoffs there so that we can watch uh, international hockey by day, NHL playoff hockey of our teams by night, which is our dream. But anyway, um, so I've been watching the Dallas-Nashville series and I felt so sorry for them last night. That yeah. was a tough, tough loss. Because, I mean, on the Slack group, uh, Michael Anthony was saying he, uh, he's the Flyers fan of our um, group of fans. And he was uh, saying how he, he seemed convinced that Dallas could go on a run. Uh, but Matt yeah. was saying how he thinks they've been getting better as the season has gone on. But the series is so tight. It could go either way. So, yeah, interested to see ben how Bishop. they respond. Ben yeah. Bishop would have loved, it's such a cliche thing to say, but he would have loved to have a couple of those goals back in that game against Nashville. And, and again, Pecorine, I mean, it, it's somebody who all the way through the build-up to the playoffs that was talking about this short lead on, on Rene, and if he didn't perform well in the first few, he'd probably end up sitting watching the game. And he was just outstanding. Again, some of the saves he was making in that game. And it's, it's incredible how the momentum changes in these series so much. And uh, yeah, that felt like a real big loss for Dallas. What but also, something again, we've gone, Claire. I was just going to say what also came up whilst we're talking about Nashville and Dallas. So um, somebody had also asked about uh, looking at the best pre-playoff signings, you know, around the trade deadline, uh, all the switches that happened, Mark Stone, Matt Deshane, Matt Zuccarello, Wayne Simmons, um, just looking at their stats since they've made those trades and seeing who's kind of come out in terms of stats anyway on top. Um, Matt Zuccarello, obviously for Dallas, got that injury. So he's only played two games, although he's got one goal, two assists um, and is plus three. Uh, and you compare that to Wayne Simmons, who has played 17 games, who has also got one goal, two assists and is plus four. So I guess in terms of games played, Matt's is up there the same as Wayne Simmons. But interestingly, Mark Stone and Matt Deshane have done all right actually um mark stone's done 18 games matt deshane's done 23 games um mark stone's got five goals matt deshane's got four goals uh 12 points for matt deshane 11 points for mark stone uh, the only difference is they're plus minus so overall i guess stats wise because mark stone's plus four he mark stone for vegas has been in stat wise the best pre-playoff signing according to that but so taking the stats aside, for me, if I'm looking at that with 
like the the eye test. I Does it say, say impact? That, yeah. I would say Mark Stone's made probably the biggest impact so far when we look at the playoffs side of things. I mean, although DeShane's played well in the playoffs as well, um, Stone's part of that really good Vegas line with Paul Stastny and, and Pacioretty that is at the moment causing absolute havoc for the San Jose Sharks. So I think, you know, for me, Mark Stone's probably just a bit ahead of Duchesne, my obvious favourite player in, in the <laughs> NHL. Um, <laughs> but he's going back to like your Ben Bishop point a moment ago. I mean, you have to feel sorry for Ben Bishop. I mean, he's been phenomenal over the last couple of months for, for yeah. Dallas. And then all of a sudden, when you, you hope that that's going to continue, he then puts one of his worst games of the season on. And going back over the, the Pecca-Rene situation, for me, Rene's always been one of those guys. He's been there, seen it, done it all. He may have the short leash. They've got a hell of a backup as well. But Rennie is one of those netminders I do trust in a playoff series. I think Nashville are going to edge Dallas. And I think, obviously, winning that Game 3 is key. I mean, I always talk about the importance, for me, of Game 3 in a playoff series, um, especially if you can win that game on the road. Oh, no. Don't, don't Stephen. Don't. You're giving me hope. Giving me hope. <laughs> What about... I said before the season started, Toronto were going to beat Boston. I no, I know, but as Mark, as Mark will know, it's not, it's not that simple as a Leafs fan just thinks something's going to happen. Like, there's so much inner torture that you've got to go through for a, especially a series against Boston. You need to beat them in game four. If you go back to... If you, if you win Hang game on, it was game four, three a minute ago. Don't no, if you, win game, if, you win game, if you win game four, <laughs> go up 3-1 and then really push them to the brink, as, a, you, as again, I'm sure Mark key. and Claire will remember, we don't like any scores with 4-1, 3-1 against <laughs> Boston Bruins. Jolon, Jolon, we won game one by a scoreline of 4-1. to one. Well, I know we did. I know, it's Come unbelievable. We, we then had to lose the next one, didn't we? Just to shatter our dreams and this was turning around. It's a, it's a different vibe to the series, though. It's a different so, vibe. Yeah, it's... You are so right. And interesting what you're talking about, um, Claire, you mentioned about uh, trade deadline acquisitions there. Somebody who I think absolutely should be getting uh, some kind of praise in here, and he, uh, he is within Toronto media as well, but John Tavares. I know he was back in the summer, but he is managing to neutralise, along with his very talented linemate Mitch, Mitch Marner and dogged and determined winger Zach Hyman, but he is managing to do the thing that Toronto couldn't do last year and so many teams couldn't do this season and so many previous seasons and that is stop that horrific kind of three-headed monster line that the Boston Bruins have and is often described as one of the best lines in hockey. John Tavares has made that difference and although he's not banging in goals left, right and centre, the, you know, the fact he's winning face-offs, he's got a better winning percentage of face-offs against Patrice Bergeron, that just doesn't happen. And yeah, he's he's another huge one that is going to probably make a big difference to a season. Already has made a big difference. Well, this, is, this is my thought for getting this back on Toronto. I tell, I'm going to switch it to Colorado for a second because right. if nothing else, I just want to talk about the fact, you know, we got a new addition to our lineup. Yeah, yeah, how does that happen? How do you bring a guy in at this point? And he was be named a man crush of the week as well by somebody. He, he is a man crush of the week. I mean, he, he is a very heralded high draft pick um, from, I think, two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, we've been, we've been able to bring him in as, the, as one of these 
what rentals should we say rentals and we're going to keep him on for like three years but yeah no it's, it's one of those sort of crazy situations that we can you know bring in a bring in a guy like that but yeah fourth place Roy in the 2017 NHL draft and it couldn't have really gone any better for a Kale McCarr I mean just <laughs> no. you know you scored a, you scored a game-winning goal in your first NHL game just days after playing in the NCAA final I mean I tell you what, I don't care what kind of week I don't care what kind of week you're having, but he's had a better week. <laughs> he, yeah. he trumps all of our weeks. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, bringing in a guy like that obviously has, has helped us because we needed um, some defensive help. Girardi I mean, was out. Mark, you cover you cover the AHL and um, loads of kind of different bits of hockey outside the NHL. Just explain the kind of the jump that a guy like Kale McCaws made here. Like, how, how is he, this jump he's gone from the NCAA up to the NHL? It, it's a chasm. It's a, it's a huge chasm. Like, to, oh, like, I see guys make the jump from college to the AHL and they struggle, you know, in their rookie year. Now, what this guy has done, all right, it's one game in a really small sample size, but that's very, very impressive. That's really impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you get those small handful of players who are able to jump from junior or college straight into the NHL. Very, very, you know, you get your Austin Matthews to keep you on Toronto for a second. You get those very select amount of players who are able to make that jump. You know, um, I'm really interested to see how he fares now, you know, whether it's, mm. whether, um, it's just going to be that one game or whether he just goes on strength and strength. But I think that's a really interesting addition in, um, and I really think it will give... Um, the dressing room, um, you know, a real boost. You know, a new kid comes in, scores a goal. They must be feeling great in Colorado right now. I think the thing is with him, he's, he, it is like a bit of like a, a breath of fresh air. You know, a young, enthusiastic kid like come from a from a like a, a into a situation where you know we've been red hot for a while. We you know we obviously we played lost game one, unfortunately, but I just think that. A bit of almost like naivety as well, of kind of like not sure. knowing what he's actually stepped into. I yep. think again that can help you as well. And I think the one thing that really impressed me about him in Game Three was it wasn't the fact he scored a goal. I thought he kept up with the pace of the game. Exactly. That for me was the, the biggest telltale sign of yes, you should be there. If he'd have got a goal but struggled elsewhere, I'd have been like, okay, this is actually this is not going to continue. This is this is actually slightly worrying. But for me. He looked like he played much longer than just that was his first game. And I think that, for me, is like some of the good signs we can take out of this. I think, you know, I still think Colorado are going to bring him along slowly, you know, not try and you know, put him in at the deep end, you know. But it's, he's going to grow in these playoffs. And that's going to be key, you know, just to see how much he develops. Even if Colorado do lose his playoff series, I think we can look back at maybe and see how he fared and see what his career might be going for because Colorado fans have waited for this kid. Yeah. We know he's been coming. You know, we were talking about, you know, the draft and everything else like that, you know, potentially getting, you know, one of the, the, the top two players there. But we always knew we'd have, you know, Kale in our, in our back pocket. He was going to come eventually. So to be able to add him to that, I, say, I think for me, it's the naivety of the situation maybe. You know, he's obviously not starstruck, which is great. But as well as that, I think it's, you know, a bit of um, youthful fun that he's brought to the dressing room as well. And 
I'm sure it's very, very a, a good-natured locker room, and and certainly, you know, uh, he he's going to enjoy the experience. I think that's I, I think that's the one thing I want for him just to enjoy where he is. But there's, there's no expectations for him, and I think the other no. thing the other thing for him as well is what does it say about the young man that the coaches are willing to put him in that situation? Absolutely. I think that speaks volumes for him. Yeah, yeah, a lot of <laughs> yeah. trust. Yeah, and well, just while we're talking about those kind of younger players who are in the in the playoffs, and uh, you know, I feel I kind of need to mention this, but with Mark on the podcast this week, um, but Trevor Moore is somebody that you followed a lot, Mark, in the AHL and his journey through, and he scored his first NHL playoff goal um, in the game last night, and just again, talk to me about Trevor Moore because he is such a fun player to watch. So. For those of you who are not Toronto fans, I know you exist. Um, I so think, yeah, Trevor there's Moore... a few of them, aren't there? <laughs> <There's a few. laughs> I'm just kidding. So Trevor Moore was um, another college player. He was uh, undrafted, so the, the Leafs picked him up. Um, and he's just been a work in development. His first season wasn't anything spectacular. Um, he kind of fits and spurts. Uh, last year, he wasn't even that great. First half of the season, he was sort of okay. He was middling. And then... Back in the last year, he just something switched in him, um, and he, he went on a tear at the end of the season. But he's he's one of those players where it's not just his goal scoring and his playmaking ability; it's his skating ability. He's he's strong on the forecheck. He's incredibly defensively responsible. You know, I think one of the biggest aspects of his game that we first noticed in the AHL is its ability when the team lost the puck was to backtrack and win it back. You know, lifting sticks and winning back position, that's probably his greatest asset. Um, and then, obviously, he got to the quarter cut run last year and he was a big part of that, of, of that championship team. He doesn't get uh, the plaudits because um, a guy like Andreas Janssen uh, was scoring all the goals and Travis Dermott, you know, who'd been with the Leafs. But you get a guy like Trevor Moore, you know, he's got a lot to prove, a really rounded game. It says a lot for the development of, of Toronto to bring a guy like that now and he's now making an impact in the NHL. And those are the guys that every team needs to develop to make a difference. He's earning, what's he on, like a contract of $775,000, yeah. you know, for two years. I mean, it's, it's fantastic value for what, for what you're getting now. And, the way, and with his skill set, and I'm sure any kind of NHL fan can identify players in their own organization like this, but with his skill set, the great thing about him is he's playing on the fourth line at the moment. But if whatever happened in next year's regular season, a couple of injuries happened, he could play on your top line. He could play on your second line. He could play on your fourth line. Play anywhere because he has got, he's such a well-rounded player, even at his young age, you think, with the amount of room to grow. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, Kale McCaw. Uh, the other one I was looking up was um, Heskinen, the Dallas Stars defender, uh, defenseman. And he's another one who you watch him play and you forget his age. Like the, the amount of confidence and skill and um, just his whole manner on the ice even, you forget his age. And it's just an incredible thing for those players who do kind of express the system through and, and kind of sometimes even bypass a few years in the AHL, which would normally take to get up to the NHL standard, but seemingly are able to, to play at that level from a very early age. I think you've got to be a special player, as I said before, to make the jump from junior or college training to the NHL. I think also, like for rookies now, you have to be a special player to excel in the AHL now. The American Hockey League is a much better league 
than it was when I started covering it back in sort of 2005, 2006. You know, it's not you know a, a goon league now. You've 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 got to be a very 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 good player, you know, to excel in that league um, now. And you know, obviously, teams are starting to to sort of buy into that now. You know, moving their farm teams closer to where they are now. You know, uh, out west, uh, they they created a Pacific division just for that reason. You know, so um, you know, it's it, it's the way future way forward because you need to have those cheap pieces um sort of on your third and fourth line so you can pay pay your star players now only one thing i had left to mention was winnipeg jets and st louis blues line a mispracticed didn't he did he um uh yeah i think he i think he mispracticed but paul morris just said nothing to it uh they recalled their backup backup goalie from the ahl um do we think that winnipeg jets are gonna come back i mean they pulled Ooh, that just, last game didn't they but yeah i mean is it all no, down I've, to bennington is it all down to bennington i have serious i have uh, the blues down to win that series i think they, they might have a good run this year i think no one's talking about them you know they've had past years where they've been you know strong favorites to do well I just think now no one's talking about them. They're, they're playing Winnipeg, and not too many people are giving them a chance. And you know, I just I just have this feeling about them. It's not really based on anything that I can uh, I can lay my finger on. It's got I've just got this feeling about them this year. And I think there's pressure on Winnipeg. I think it's pressure oh, on Line yeah. to to produce. You know, their their window in the West could could close very very quickly uh, for Winnipeg. You know, when you think about, they should maybe have gone on a bit further in the last couple of years. Um, but I personally think now, now they've solved the, for me, they've solved the blues and now it's now down to St. Louis, a kind of answer because I think if Winnipeg now can go in there and take game four, then I can see them winning this in six. I, I could see Winnipeg winning this in, in six games, winning three more straight. Do we, so do we think that this could be one of the tightest matchup? Which, or which matchup do we no. think is the tightest right now? Uh, Nashville, Dallas. That's seven games. I I slightly disagree. I think um, I have. I, I think Nashville are going to win in six. If I had to choose, I think uh, Vegas and and San Jose might go the full distance. I fancy Vegas to win. I fancy Vegas to win a three straight. I I think San really? Jose. Yeah, I I think um, Vegas have got far too much offensive firepower for San Jose and. Net mining for San Jose has just been absolutely disastrous. Martin Jones is awful. He's been he's been terrible all season, and yet he's but been he's even worse. Of, he's the bottom of some stats and top of others. He's he's even worse in the playoffs. He's got an eight forty nine save percentage for his three playoff games. Wasn't there that somebody threw out this incredible stat about Martin Jones, and this might be a game old now? This stat, but Eric, there was a Eric thing Carlson. going. Yeah. yeah, Eric Carlson was on, on the ice for something like 10 goals and Martin Jones only for nine or something like that. <laughs> like, I mean, and that is of your playoff superstar in Eric Carlson. Everyone was waiting for him to come, come playoff time. This was his time to shine. Is there, is there anybody this season who has lost more money, more future money than Eric Carlson this year? But I, I think mean, with Eric, I think with Eric Carlson. I mean, I, I think he's one of those guys that I saw a fair amount of him when he was in Ottawa. But I, because I saw him up close for two games in Sweden, hmm. for me, Eric Carlson looks like a 
dynamite player coming forward. But defensively, he isn't that great. I, do, I, I think he's actually a liability from a defensive standpoint on the ice. And okay, he's, he fits better in the system in San Jose than he probably has done for a while when he was in Ottawa. But for me, I, I know he's had a hell of a lot going on off the ice. And I think that was probably played a hell of a part in yeah. what's happened. I mean, it's, I, I haven't gone through what he's gone through. But if anyone does go through what he went through, it's, it's really going to hit you hard. Mm. Um, and it would not surprise me if that hasn't had some kind of an effect on Carlson this season. Yeah, I think he's the kind of player, though, a, a little bit like P.K. Subban, where if you sign that player, you have to take the good with the bad. And you have yeah, to you hope do. the good out- outweighs the bad. You know? it, um, but don't, you know, he is a star player. So Absolutely. You, you hope that you know, this year is going to be, with everything that's happened in his life, you know, this year is going to be a, a, a down year. And that hopefully, you know, next year he's he's even better. He's not been terrible this year, but no, but he's not been Eric Carlson. No, no, there's a lot of pressure on the Sharks though this year, isn't there? I mean, they're you know they're they're so all in every year. You kind of for the last few years you go, well, the Sharks are all in this year, and there's only so long you can do that for. And you know, Joe Thornton isn't getting any younger, um, and you know, many other players like that. So. It feels a fair amount of pressure, I would say, on the Sharks to do something. I think a, a first-round exit would be a pretty big disaster for the Sharks this season. But the Sharks are disastrous in the playoffs anyway. You look at their playoff history over like the last 15 or 20 years, apart from, I mean, they went to a cup finals. But in, you take that out, hmm. and it, you know, maybe, one, maybe one or two other postseasons. In general, San Jose have been one of the most disappointing teams in the playoffs over the last 15 to 20 years, they, they have had some real shockers. And I'm sorry, if you're going all in and Martin Jones is your netminder, you're not going all in. He's been... He, he, well, yeah. I mean, this year is Martin Jones. I'd like to defend <laughs> Martin Jones with the previous years, who has done quite well. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. But it's... I don't know. I, it's tough. You see a team like that and you think... I don't know. Coming up, if, if it's you know, this much of a struggle against Vegas, I don't know how far you would go anyway, even if you got past Vegas. But the thing this is, is, this is a th- sorry, one last question about Vegas. The thing I would say is, you know, we've sat here, you know, variety of us over the last few weeks, and we have talked around Tampa Bay winning the cup. We talked about, you know, Na- like Nashville, Winnipeg, whoever, whoever else, Toronto. But you know what? None of us have really sat here and said about Vegas. And if, no. if you're asking me who has actually been the most, probably the most impressive team on paper right now and could potentially cause some real problems going forward for whoever they face, it's Vegas. They could seriously be right now for me the favourite of coming, certainly the favourite coming out of the Western Conference. But they're another team, Stephen. No one was talking about the start of the season. They got out of the blocks really slowly. They progressed through this. A bit like the New York Islanders. Finished the, finished the season really strong. And yeah. if you hit the playoffs with momentum, you know, anything could happen. It doesn't matter where you, where you finish. You know, same as Colorado. Right now. That's exactly, I don't want to go on about Colorado, but that's exactly what I was saying about Colorado. You've yep. got to be red hot. I, I, showing my age a bit here, and I'll go back to the 1991 playoffs when Minnesota got to the finals. They basically scraped into the, to the playoffs. And they rode a hot net mind in John Casey and, 
and scored at will. It was only the fact they come up against Lemieux and the Penguins and the reason why they didn't actually win the cup that year. So yeah, it's exactly that. You, if you get hot last month or so heading into the playoffs and you manage to carry that momentum in there, you're going to cause they're going to cause problems. And so for me, Vegas have got scoring all over the place. We talked about the second line earlier on, you know, Pacioretty, Stastny and and that, you know, and uh, Mark Stone. They've got they've got scoring in abundance. And as long as Fleury is good Fleury and not bad Fleury, they should be fine. Yeah, totally agree. All right, last question of the podcast. Will Tampa Bay Lightning still be in the playoffs? Uh, <laughs> oh, this time you hear this. This podcast. time, this time next week, will they still be in the playoffs? Are they going to progress? Yes or no, Stephen? Yes or no? <sighs> this is like a, he- a head over heart one. My head obviously will say no because they have got the odd set against them. They haven't played well outside of maybe a period in the, in this whole series. Headman out injured as well. Yes or no? <laughs> I'm go- as much as I've talked the talk all week long about you know, about Tampa Bay and everything else, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say no. I I can't in present form. I can't see them winning four straight against Columbus. How about you, Mark? Okay, two caveats before I answer. Firstly, I have a few Tampa friends, so I apologise. <laughs> um, secondly, if any team could do this, it would be Tampa. You know, come yeah. back from three games down. I know it's kind of a given. They need to win the next game. But I have a, I have a feeling if they win game four, they might just do it. But no, is my final answer. <laughs> You're the same as me, Mark. It's, it's, it is that key game four, because if they win game four, go back to Tampa, yep. and then they'll take game five. Then all of a sudden, you've got then a really toss-up game six. Exactly. Well, I hope for my bracket's sake that Columbus go through. <laughs> oh, and yeah. It's all about the bracket, Claire. It's not all about the bracket. It's the fact you don't want Toronto to go home in a sweep against the Lightning. <laughs> hey, I put Toronto to go through in Boston. I mean, I, yeah. I, I have been the pessimist Leafs fan on this podcast. Jonan <laughs> has been ecstatically optimistic by, in his bracket, putting them all the way through to the very uh, end of winning. No, that was in my silly mid-season one. Yeah. I, in, my, in my actual bracket, I had them coming unstuck against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I, I do. I, I genuinely do think that the Leafs have it enough to beat the Bruins in the first round. I don't think that. Right. So my question then to you two, very quickly. I yes feel like no. we need to play, like, record that as the start of the next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. Claire, isn't it? That's harsh. <laughs> and notice how you've kept very quiet as well. Um, but. I've got a question for both of you, Stephen and Mark. I am going to watch one game tonight. Which game should I be watching? Now, I'm probably not going to be watching live because I'm just too tired. So I'm probably going to wake up tomorrow morning and watch a game. So I won't know the score. Which one do you think I have more likelihood of seeing a sweep? More likelihood of seeing a sweep? Well, I think that's, that's the Islanders game. I think... One of these two games tonight is going to be a foregone conclusion. The other one is going to be an absolute nail-biter. And I think the foregone conclusion is the Islanders against the Pens. I mean, I've been surprised just how much the Islanders are completely outplayed the Pens. I thought Pittsburgh would win this series, but it would be a bit of a tough series. So, but I think Tampa Bay and Columbus, that for me... It's a it's a toss up game. That's got to be the game you're going to watch because if you want to see a team 
basically blow up before your very eyes. It's <laughs> going to be Tampa tonight because they have got to go out there and they have got to go right from the get-go. I would like to see Tampa Bay score a goal early on and just see what <laughs> Columbus are made of. Yeah. Because if Columbus then have to come back, it, that's the whole thing about the playoffs as well. I don't think home ice advantage is so prevalent in the playoffs because teams win, do win on the road. But if you go into a building and you score that early goal, all of a sudden the team then feeds off the, the nerves of the crowd and you know full well that people are going to be talking about the fact that the Sharks coughed up a 3-0 lead a few years ago. The Kings won the Stanley Cup when they managed to come back from that. That is going to be in the minds of the players, of the fans, and all of a sudden, if the Lightning come out, uh, come out quick, Stamco scores, and all of a sudden, okay, you know, all of a sudden, Stamco <laughs> is now back on form. You can just see how that game can turn. I think for drama, you should be watching the Lightning and the Blue Jackets and not focus on a sweep. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I kind of think whatever happens in the Tampa game, that's going to be the game to watch. That's the one I'm watching. I'm watching it live. I'm working from home tomorrow. I don't care. Oh, okay. Steve, <laughs> how have you got this gig? Like, I, I, when I went to I did work a 17 this morning... Hour, I did a 17 hours outside the house on Monday. That's how come I get this gig. Oh, again. very good. <laughs> when, I, when I dragged my sorry behind into work this morning and kind of fell into my desk... <laughs> then I, you know, on the proper kind of after the high of seeing them win and then the come down of I have got a long day ahead of me. Um, it was worth yeah, it. Working from worth home it. is the so dream worth it. during the playoffs. Oh, oh absolutely. Come on. You're, you're on the East Coast. You've got it easy. I'm up <laughs> at least a couple of hours after you. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> the game was still going on this morning when I was due to normally get up for work. I've got yeah, to say, I did, I, I did oh, yeah. that. I had a few um, 5 a.m. starts last week. So yeah. I, was, I got up and I was watching the end of the... The Colorado uh, West, game. The Western games, yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch the end of the San Jose games as well, yeah. I'm normally up every day at half five. And at half five this morning, I actually wasn't... I was awake because I'd sat up and watched the game, the Calgary-Colorado game. So I, I went to bed like when I got home last night then got up early to watch the Colorado-Calgary game. So I've been awake since about, what, half two? Jeez. Just crazy. very quickly, I know, I, I know um, we've not got long left, but um, one series we haven't really mentioned at all, other than a, a very one-sided fight, is the Capitals-Hurricanes uh, mm, series, which is an interesting one because... Yeah, I know somebody was saying... Um, who, who was saying something about how... Um, was it there? I can't remember. Somebody was saying anyway about how there was a team who looked like they'd just go straight through. I, looking at, um, oh, so that's right. A team who was on form at this point, who could go on a run straight through to uh, the Stanley Cup final. Um, the Capitals, up until <laughs> last night, um, looked like that team. Like, mm. it, was, it was looking easy for them. And, you know, I thought, I actually had... Carolina to come in and cause a bit of an upset. I didn't know whether they could actually do it, but I just thought on all of that stuff that we talked about earlier about coming in with form, they'd been playing game seven for the last two weeks of the regular season just to try and get themselves into a wildcard spot. And all of the storm surge stuff and all of the kind of good feeling vibes around the Carolina Hurricanes, I just wondered whether they would be able to tip the Capitals and get them to game seven or something like that. 
first two games did not look like that was the way it was going to go. But interestingly enough, then the game just swings round again. And now you talk about game four and there are so many key points in it. Hurricanes win this next one. It's all tied up. It doesn't matter about I home I, again. I can't see it. Washington played one of their worst playoff games that I can remember in, in some time. I mean, they had eight shots in the final two periods. They Big were fat zero on the scoreboard. I can't see it. As, as well as Carolina played, and they did play incredibly well. You know, you, I sometimes think we talk more about what a team doesn't do yeah. and when we should give praise to what the other team did do. And I think a lot more people are obviously talking more about what the Capitals didn't do rather than what the Hurricanes did do. Uh, but I expect Washington to come back from that and draw on their experience in the playoffs and just say, yeah, no, we'll, we'll forget about our game. We'll now play our game again. And we'll win this one, and then we'll take Game Five back at home. I think I think the Capitals win the next two and, and wrap up this series in five. Interesting. It's almost a complete reverse for the Capitals of their first round last year when they went on to win the thing. They were what three games down to Columbus and seemingly uh, down two down, down. two down against two Columbus. Down. Yeah, which is what I was saying yeah. earlier on about the, the Tampa situation was that Washington dropped the first two at home. So imagine now, if, in the imagine if Carolina turned this round now and get. 2-2. There's got to be some demons in that Washington Capitals uh, uh, dressing room thinking, hang on a minute, isn't this, isn't this what we did last year? But it it does happen. Yep. And players do think about stuff like that because you know they'll draw on people's experience. And again, when we talk about locker rooms, we talked about the situation in Colorado, you know, young kid coming in. On the opposite side of that, that's where you look to your veterans to kind of, you know, tell you about what the playoffs are like, you know, like how you draw on their experience, you know, different scenarios. And that's why, you know, good teams down the years have these good veteran locker room guys. Um, because I do think you need it. I don't care how good you are. You need good locker room guys to be able to get you through situations like this. Have that experience, won the cup or got far um, in, in terms of the playoffs because you are going to face adversity at some point. And, you know, we're seeing it with Tampa. They're not handling it well right now. But I think Washington, on the opposite side of that, they can draw on the fact, you know, they had to face it last season when they won the cup. Now, all of a sudden, they play like their worst game in ages. And they're like, yeah, we are not going to let this happen again. We know how to turn this around. We are going to make, we're going to have our statement game. Because that was Carolina's statement game. We're now going to have ours. And we're going to do it on their ice and then we're going to take them home and we're just going to get rid of them out of the playoffs. And they're not doing any kind of storm surge or anything like that, are they, Hurricanes, these days? No, they... they, um, One of of their players, actually, can't remember which one, actually came out on Twitter and said, um, this is going to be the last uh, storm surge. Thanks for your support, blah, blah, blah. We're heading into the playoffs without it now. Um, Actually, get serious. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I, I... I actually feel like they could take game four. I just think maybe if they could win their game, I think there's pressure on Washington, whereas maybe there wasn't kind of the same pressure last year on them. You know, no one was yeah. really talking them up. And but before I think I finish, that... I'm going to make a bold prediction. Um, I was going to say it before. I, I really fancy um, Tampa and uh, Pittsburgh to win tonight. Just have a feeling. I don't think there's going to be a sweep. Oh, something I want to just touch on that you just mentioned there, Mark. Actually, talk about like Washington, you know, like different pressures and stuff like that. And something we haven't talked about, and I, I, it does come up in sports all the time, is you know, it's it, it's hard enough to get 
to the very top and be the champion, it's even harder to defend that. Yep. And when it comes to playoffs, that's ramped up even further because everyone wants to be the team that knocks off the reigning champions and, put, and puts another name on that cup. So if Carolina, you know, they're going to have that mentality. And if they do come out and win game four, then all of a sudden it's like a best of three series. And it's, yeah. it's very, very different at, at that particular point, point yeah. in time. But yeah, that's something else. Defending the cup is, is a lot harder. And that's the reason why you don't have so many defending successful defences of, of the cup. Yeah, you don't have dynasties like you used to have, that's for sure. No, well, you imagine can't if, in the salary cap era. Exactly. Imagine if, Carolina, imagine if Carolina got that first goal in their next game. Oh, imagine the they score bananas. They score early. They're in Carolina. Yep. Uh, oh, that, would, that would be... If I was a Caps fan, I would not be enjoying that. If, if they can keep Ovechkin quiet, it's every chance. Yeah. What you mean? Actually, put players on him rather than <laughs> yeah, yeah, try it. The slot. I'm no oh, coach, but you know. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't remember who it was who said it, but I heard somebody talking about that, and uh, they were saying how it is such a credit to the Washington Capital players, the other players who aren't Alexander Ovechkin, who time in, game in, game out, manage to somehow keep him unmarked particularly during power plays. It is unbelievable what those guys do to achieve that. And yeah, he's, I mean, I know Claire can't stand him, but um, he's uh, just, just seeing him even now, I've seen him live hit those slap shots from, uh, from in the circle. And yeah, he's, he's just one of those greatest players that we'll ever get to witness to see, I think. You Come have to say, say over, well, <laughs> you may say that, you may not like Ovechkin, but I mean, over a long period of time, he's been one of the, the, the most consistent scorers in the NHL. And oh. he's got one of the best, he's got one of the best shots. Yep. He literally has. You, you leave him unmarked, he is going to make you pay. And I think, again, you know, Claire may not like him, but I tell you what, if he was a Leaf, he'd love him. Oh, oh absolutely. That's for sure. I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> Those teeth, just terrifying. Imagine now a change of uniform makes teeth? you change your opinion of a player. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, I like Kadri because he's got nice teeth, but eventually <laughs> leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, Leafs, the Leafs trade for Jake DeBrusque. Oh, what a great player. Always loved him. He's just brilliant. <laughs> anyway, we should leave it there because there's going to be so many things that happen over the next week. Um, if you are listening to this and you would like to join in um, and with our, with our kind of playoff banter, we're trying to build a community of like-minded fans uh, who are enjoying NHL playoffs but watching outside of North America. Um, so you can email us, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. Our address on Twitter is at nhlfansfromafar far uh, and make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so that you get all the latest updates we're we're going to be doing our recordings every tuesday evening because there's no right or wrong day to be recording these kind of conversations during the playoffs it's a bit of a changing changeable movable feast isn't it so yeah um, and i just i just want to say on that slack group front like how much i've enjoyed being a part of that through just you know i know twitter is something that we all use as a way of keeping up to date but also to kind of be involved in the wider conversation but ju- i've just enjoyed so much having that kind of um community of people just to, just to chuck things in where whereas i'm i'm at work 
and I, I will say things about ice hockey and I just get this blank kind of glazed look as if to say. <laughs> yeah. So much so, somebody said, oh, they, had, uh, they were offering some tickets to go and watch the hockey. Uh, they said to me, and I went, sorry, what do you mean? Like the playoff hockey? And they were like, yeah, 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 playoff hockey. And I went, what? Offering tickets? Where? And it turned out it's like that fake hockey, you know, the one they play on grass? Like, <laughs> like I don't even, I what, couldn't golf? believe it. I, as good as. It may as well good as, but it was like field hockey or something. Supposedly you can play hockey without ice. But anyway, it's so nice to have a like, little environment of people who you can just kind of chuck things in and have a chat about stuff and... Yeah, it's great. It's really Bless good. you. You can tell I'm that you're so, about sleep. You're so yeah, new know, yeah. to this, aren't you, Jolon? You're just so innocent yeah. that you've well, got no other friends that like ice hockey. We're your only friends. It's 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 you lot and Matt Day. Yeah, you lot yeah. and Matt Day. Me and Matt have, uh, but we both know that our time in this playoff round could be very short. So uh, it'll be nice to keep involved with the rest of you as you go on long playoff runs. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Stephen, thank you so much. Um, well, no, we're gonna We've got a Penguins back. fan next week. Claire? <laughs> Awkward. Oh dear, that's going to be fun, isn't it? When I extended the invite to Georgie again on the podcast to Stephen, you'll remember, because we were on... The, yeah, we did that uh, one, yeah. Uh, Georgie is coming on again next week, and I have put into her non-existent contract that she does have to come on, even if Penguins aren't in the playoffs by next Yeah, week. I hate to break this to you, Jolon, but I've also put a request in for the Bruins fan the week after, so we'll see how that <laughs> goes down. Yeah, we'll, that, that is subject to uh, quite a lot of things over the next yeah. week. <laughs> anyway, thanks, guys. Everyone else, enjoy some sleep and enjoy the playoffs because this is what we're living for. This is what we're waiting for. It's here.